0: Oh, that makes me tired really-
1: Welcome to Vienna News. It is Thursday, July 7th, 2022. I'm Kelly Ransom. Thanks for tuning in. Marchers took to the streets of Boston on Saturday, June 26th for the third annual Trans Resistance March. The route began in Roxbury and culminated in a festival at Franklin Park featuring performances and vendors. Trans Resistance was formed in 2020 by Athena Vaughn, Chastity Bowick, and a collective of trans and queer activists after years of contention with the Boston Pride Board of Directors. Trans Resistance's mission is to advocate for the safety, joy, and liberation of trans and queer black, indigenous, and people of color. The event has quickly become a staple to Pride Month in Boston.
0: It is so essential for all of us to accept each other and to give us all a chance to get to know each other because we all have stories and once we hear each other's stories it's a lot easier to accept one another and to see each other as human beings and not as enemies or as
2: our differences. We are very much the same and we should all just love each other. I feel like all folks are born with an innate sovereignty. And that sovereignty is uh, something that's cherished for our folk and is something that is essential for a society and a people to thrive. Um, that innate dignity is something that um, can resonate with all, all people across boundaries and borders. And I feel as though it is something that, as I said, it just, should just be innate. The simple act of people just choosing to dislike people off of Who knows
3: whether it's ideology shared from their parents um, that really is based on hate. um, Kind of moves us really farther from fixing all of the social issues that are so prominent right now. Um, And frankly it just doesn't make much sense to hate someone before you even get to really know them um, just off of a label. And so I really do believe that in order to move forward in any way in society to just progress a little bit more. and have a bit more unity, a bit more happiness. I think it is really essential to just
2: get to know people first um, and give everyone a chance, um, regardless of what they look like um, or how they identify. I think we're in a really hard moment in our society where people will talk about trans issues like some kind of abstraction. Um, people just, you know, will hate the idea of other people um, and, and be looking for a way to alienate and pull apart and, and make things difficult for people when in fact when we actually like know the full humanity of everyone around us, that's that's both what lets us be the people we should be but also it's what holds our whole society and community together and when one person is is being alienated or treated as other um and not recognized for their whole self turned into the butt of some argument um some you know terrible political persecution, it just it robs our whole community of the solidarity we need to stand together and face our really hard challenges On June 30th, newly hired Boston Public School Superintendent Mary Skipper said she is ready to roll up her sleeves and start rebuilding the embattled district. Speaking at a press conference outside Tech Boston Academy, a school at which she has spent much of her career, she indicated she'll be putting an emphasis in the areas of special education, English learning, programming, and building accountability and trust throughout the community. Earlier in the day, she and Mayor Wu participated in a roundtable discussion with students and staff inside the school, which she helped launch. The Dorchester native and current superintendent of Somerville Schools will take over her new position in a few months.
4: Today, we are here to ensure that we show what's at stake with the next leader of our schools, Mary Skipper. Superintendent Skipper has worked at every level of leadership in the Boston public school system from a classroom teacher to a school leader, a school administrator, and then has led a nearby district, our sister sister city in Somerville, for seven years to tremendous results. And so there is an army of excited volunteers and residents and supporters and community leaders here reaching out to make sure that our next superintendent, the team that she builds, and our entire school community across all of Boston Public Schools will be successful because that is the most important work that our city can do, paving the way for our future, investing in our young people, and connecting our city and every single community within Boston. We do strongly believe that Superintendent Skipper is the right
2: leader and the right movement at the right moment to help lead us through the storm and steady the ship so that we can grow together and collaborate together and partner together and we will do everything we can do to ensure the superintendent is successful because we need her to be successful because our students need her to be successful and our city needs her to be successful.
5: You know, this is really building a vision and it will not happen day one because if it were, it would only be my vision. This has to be a vision we build together as a city and as a school community. And I have every confidence because I've been a part of it when it's happened. I've seen tangibly the effect of it from every single person being part of that vision, whether it's a school custodian, whether it's a safety officer, whether it is a cafeteria food service worker, whether it's a teacher, an administrator, a parent leader, everyone needs to come together to build that vision with us. That's the way BPS is going to shine. And it will shine as long as we all do our part in that.
2: Tuesday, July 5th, climate activists held a die-in at Downtown Crossing to show the dire consequences that we may be facing if we don't heed and act immediately on the climate crisis at hand. This past Tuesday, the U.S. Supreme Court voted to halt the EPA's authority to regulate planet heating emissions. The activists stated that this decision will mean the continuation of maximizing huge short-term profits for the rich, without any concern for the future viability of the human species. They said the government is refusing to address the stark reality of what will transpire if we fail to drastically reduce our dependence on fossil fuels and continue to support its infrastructure. The die-in was organized by Extinction Rebellion Boston.
0: We're at the point now where we are seeing things that we thought were way in the future but are here today and are serious, such as India having a failure of its wheat crop this year because of heat waves and no longer exporting any to the global market. And that's the beginning of international conflict. And our world leaders keep saying that climate change is an issue but that we have time to act. But the problem is we don't have time to act. The time is now or really honestly 10 years ago that we should have been starting this transition in earnest. Nobody's doing anything about the planet and we're literally destroying this planet day by day. And we have to start making change. We have to end any kind of new fossil fuel infrastructure. And if we can't even do that simple thing, we're, we're gonna destroy this planet. And we will have a mass extinction that will not be stopped. And humans will be extinct at the end of that. People are dying already uh, in different parts of the world, including the United States, due to climate inaction. The climate crisis has started and we are in the, the beginning of the sixth mass extinction. So the gravity that we're showing here is not what's to come, it's what's already started. And so what we're demanding is stronger action to combat the worst of what this will become. This will become a reality here in the U.S. that is already happening in other parts of the world.
1: Recently, Faith had the chance to sit down with Natalia Uterbe, Eastern Bank Foundation's newest fellow, to chat about her work in Boston. Here's Faith with the story. Welcome, Natalia. Thank you so
3: much for being here today. And congratulations on your new role at Eastern Bank Foundation. Thank you so much, Faith. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Wonderful. Well, to get us started today, uh, why don't you tell us more about what is Eastern Bank Foundation and your exciting new role there
5: as a fellow? Thank you. Um, So the foundation has been working for many years on supporting our community through small grants and and, uh, large investments. And just about a year and a half ago or so, the foundation decided to really uh, look at impact. And um, so we shifted our um, grants to be community-based and impact-based. And the foundation brought on uh, what were called Foundation Fellows, Uh, to focus on specific areas of expertise. So I am delighted to be focusing on advancing the uh, equity in small business ecosystem in the region. So I get to work um, on tackling specific issues that can help Uh, Small businesses owned by people of color, particularly black and brown uh, community members, as well as Asian immigrants, women, um, advance their uh, businesses and grow their businesses to uh, create a more robust and equitable uh, small business ecosystem.
3: That is so awesome, and I love uh, the focus and attention on on women and people of color, making sure their businesses are successful. Uh, Just looking at your background, you come from uh, such amazing past opportunities. You were Executive Director at Imagine Boston 2030, uh, Director of Small Business at the Office of Economic Opportunity and Inclusion for City of Boston. So how exactly did you chart your path in this world of small business and um, how did you know that this is what you wanted to do?
5: So believe it or not, I did not know that I would have a career focused on small business. Um, it's kind of serendipitous because when I was in college um, and just after college, I ran a small family owned business um, in Tucson, Arizona. My mm. mom has a small business in Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm you know, originally from. And when I was running Imagine Boston 2030, after we wrapped up that process, Mayor Walsh and Chief John Barrows and I were talking about kind of what was next and what we could focus on. And um, they asked me to bring in my expertise in community organizing, in getting um, community leaders together and the, the focus on engagement, as well as the operations component of what I had been doing in the past and bring it into a space of, uh, helping to lead the small business um, work in the city of Boston. So bring visibility to that work, make sure that it's actually responding to the needs of individual businesses. And I was deeply excited about the opportunity to work with, you know, the the small businesses across Boston who are, you know, full of grit. They're, per, you know, have perseverance. They've been, hmm. um, They're the most ambitious people I've ever met, right, Uh, you know, people who really are interested in making a stake in their communities. And so I got super excited about being able to um, work in that space. And then I was lucky um, to have fallen in love with it right Um, at the city. This space allows me uh, with the foundation, it really allows me to think about all of those issues, all of the creativity and innovation that we did at the cities, particularly during the pandemic and bring it to the region. Um, and uh, so I didn't know that I would have a career working with small businesses, um, but I'm delighted that you know the universe has brought me into this space and that I love it. Um, it's been a really uh, rewarding experience to work with so many different Entities from the organizations that support um, small businesses to large corporations that want to work with small businesses to the small businesses themselves um, and really come up with creative solutions for some of their, their biggest issues and those big, you know, big barriers that we hear about all the time.
3: Absolutely, and I'm sure Boston is going to really value uh, your your presence here in small business. Um, speaking of equity, um, how how does one uh, create equity in the uh, small business ecosystem in Boston?
5: Well, I think these are uh, there are several things that we know are barriers to entry for small businesses, uh, particularly those who are owned by people of color, um, immigrants, women. Um, The first is access to capital. We know that businesses um, from these demographics do not have the same robust networks credit, assets, et cetera, to be able to leverage in order to get their businesses either off the ground or into growth mode. So we need to you know, tackle access to capital.
3: And in regard to the ecosystems, Boston is its very own unique thing. I know that Eastern Bank Foundation also supports uh, the ecosystems of New Hampshire and Rhode Island. Uh, what would you say are the major differences in- those uh, different small business markets.
5: Yeah, I think you know Boston is a, is the largest city, right? It's where a lot of the hustle and the bustle happens. So the Greater Boston area has lots of resources and support systems. Um, I think what's the unique opportunity in our gateway cities, southern New Hampshire, Rhode Island, um, particularly Providence. Is that there's a lot of um, built-in industrial work there um, mm-hmm. so a, a lot of opportunities for for small businesses to tap into different resources I think there's also um, an opportunity for us to share between Boston and our gateway cities. How do we bring gateway city uh, businesses into Boston's tourism ecosystem, into the eds and meds, into you know uh, different sectors that maybe don't have a lot of access points in, in the gateway cities? And likewise, how do we bring um, successful and thriving businesses to grow and expand into our gateway cities to bring more jobs and opportunities to these these other areas. I think um, while there has been some collaboration across the region, um, I think there's uh, always opportunity to better um, collaborate to bring those networks closer together and to really create opportunities for these businesses to thrive in the entire area um, where we've seen an economic boom, where we see uh, thriving cities, we see thriving towns. And I think. We really have the, the opportunity and the responsibility to make those connections so that businesses can thrive where their customer is, right, where they mm-hmm. can grow in spaces where they need to be able to access different por- ports of entry. So um, it's very different ecosystems. And I'm learning a lot about the region um, in, in my short three months at Eastern Bank. Um and so part of that is to just learn about what the different needs are. Um, we have uh, larger immigrant populations, more concentrated immigrant populations in different parts of the region. So language access is really important. Hmm. Um, you know, literacy in the business world. How do you connect to, how do you respond to bids? How do you, you know, use um, your expertise as a business owner then uh, leverage that with organizations that can help you thrive. So it's a little bit about matchmaking, it's a little bit about identifying what those needs are and where the gaps are, um, and then trying to figure out how we fill them together.
3: That's, That's really interesting. Uh, And you just said you've been with Eastern Bank Foundation for three months now. Uh, So very much still new and exciting a time for the whole organization. And I couldn't help but notice you are, one, the sole woman of the four current fellows there. Uh, Can you talk more about your experience so far and the importance of being a woman in the small business
5: space? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm honored to be the only woman fellow. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to the rest of the team who is is all women. Right. Um, we are the ones who hustle and bustle and grind and get things done. That's right. And my Colleagues <laughs> will agree with me. Um, but at, being a woman in this space, I think, um, gives a unique perspective to the issues that women are facing in all of these um, ecosystems. We think about small women, um, small business owners who are women, and how um, difficult it is, you know, to get access to capital, to be financed in the same ways, to be taken seriously in a space that's all men, um, whether it's the ecosystem that we're in, whether it's the industry that you're you're a business owner in. And I think by um, bringing my whole self to this role, I'm able to Listen to those needs uh, of our not just our women but Latinos, um, Black and Brown people, um, immigrants. I you know I'm able to connect um, to those business owners in a different way and identify those needs. And I think that brings um, more more leverage to the work that we're doing because. Um, my colleagues are brilliant. They're, you know, researchers. They're authors. They've been I mean, practitioners in this space, um, and so have I. Right? I've mm-hmm. done it in a different way. I'm an operations. I'm a program person. I've been able to execute on really tough, um, tough issues over the last five years, in particular. Um, and our differences and our expertise really round us out in a way that allow Eastern Bank Foundation to think about problems from a critical way and an innovative way and approach solutions a little bit differently. So I'm I'm excited about it. Of course, we want more women uh, in these these positions. Um, And I know that uh, Eastern Bank continues to um, drive and uh, be actionable with their diversity um, needs. And so we're super excited to be here.
3: Uh, For our individuals, our viewers who are watching, who are trying to build their wealth, who are small business owners, how can they get in touch with Eastern Bank Foundation?
5: Yeah, so I think all of our small business owners out there who are interested in um, banking with Eastern Bank, EasternBank.com, if you're interested in working with uh, the foundation on these systems wide approaches, I recommend that you um, go onto our website at easternbank.com forward slash foundation um, and you can pick one of two grants to apply for. The first is uh, our community grants which are smaller grants usually around events or other um, small impact or neighborhood type programs and then we also have these impact grants and that's um, kind of the, my my bread and butter, and kind of where I'll be working um, with uh, with the foundation and, and the other fellows on really thinking about a systemic approach to uh, bringing and advancing equity into the small business ecosystem.
3: Oh, I love it so much. I'm <laughs> I'm feeling very inspired and hopeful for Boston. Uh, Natalia, thank you so much. Uh, you are you are doing incredible work and uh i wish you the best
5: uh in your role as fellow thank you so much faith and i want to commend you on your work it's it's really remarkable to see a local organization like bnn um, bringing to light the work that some of us are doing and um, so i I just want to say thank you
3: Bostonians enjoyed the countless ways at the 41st Annual Harbor Fest July 1st through 4th. Boston Harbor Fest is the largest Independence Day celebration in the country, and it had a little something for everyone, from musical performances, puppetry, historical reenactments, to the inaugural Patriotic Pooch Parade. Attendees enjoyed the offerings spanning Downtown Crossing to the North End and Boston Common to Boston Harbor. The cherry on top for the festive four days was a breathtaking fireworks show.
4: This is the beginning of what is always one of the largest Independence Day celebrations in the country. We're proud to welcome visitors from all over the city, the state, and the world to come and celebrate and remember why we exist as a country and how much is still ahead of us. It is the 41st year of celebrating Harbor Fest, marking Boston's rich maritime heritage and our place in history as the cradle of the American Revolution. It's also an opportunity for us to build our community, to create the spaces and events and gatherings for friends and family with musical performances, historical reenactments, orations, parades, and arts showcases, all of which celebrate our 246th year as a nation.
0: This is hugely important for the city because having two million visitors here for Harborfest and for July 4th really proves that the city is back. The economic picture is bright. That means the hotels are selling out, the restaurants are full, outdoor dining is in full swing, and Boston is so ready to accept guests back into the city. So it's a real wonderful occasion to do that as part of Harborfest. When the Queen visited Boston in 1976 to celebrate America's bicentennial, she spoke these words from the steps of the old State House just up the road. She said, if Paul Revere, Sam Adams, and other patriots could have known that one day a British monarch would stand beneath the balcony of the old State House and be greeted in such kind and generous words, well, I think they would have been surprised But, she went on, perhaps they would also have been pleased. Pleased to know that eventually we came together again as free peoples and friends and defended together the very ideas for which the American Revolution was fought. In that spirit of friendship, I wish the city of Boston and the whole of the United States a very happy birthday. God save the queen and God bless America.
1: Recently, BNN News visited the Frog Pond in Boston Common to celebrate the city's launch of splash pad locations being activated for all of Boston to enjoy this summer. Check it out.
2: On June 28th, children and families were splishing and splashing in Boston Frog Pond's spray pool to celebrate its 2022 opening. The event featured rides in the Boston Common Carousel, performances, giveaways, and a visit from the official Frog Pond mascot, Frog Pond Freddy. The original ponds on the Boston Common were used for grazing cattle, but in the late 1800s, the entire park was transformed into a public area. Swimming holes and pond skating were replaced with the spray pool in the 1970s and the ice rink in 1996. The Frog Pond Spray Pool, replete with its 70-foot spray plume, will be open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily until Labor Day.
1: I feel like it's wonderful that everybody can get together and enjoy the time out here in the wonderful Park. I think it's great that they open up the Frog Pond because it's just going to give everybody a great experience to get together and have a good time.
3: When That's our good. kids come here, they get to interact with all the kids, and it's great because they're working on their social skills. Um, they're making new friends, they're interacting with other people from different cultures. Um, it's it's really great. This is one of my
2: favorite events every year um, because folks come out you see all these different children from around the city. this is a resource that means something to people all across the city and this is a space that allows our children to have the kind of joy they should always have and does it also in a way that cools them down. unfortunately our Our summers are getting hotter um, and that's a real concern, but if we're gonna address climate change and we're gonna address heat, I cannot think of a better way to do it than with this where um, instead
1: of um, feeling overwhelmed, they can come here and have that great sense of joy. Well, Boston, that is all for today. Thank you for tuning in. For VNN News, I'm Kelly Ransom. Take care.